1: Well, welcome back as we head into the third hour today, the day before primary voting takes place in Arizona. If you already haven't mailed in your ballot, it's a delight to start the hour with someone who's just been very special to me, not only as a thought leader, as a friend, as a colleague and a lot of efforts. And uh, the best introduction I can give her is one Sal D'Ossicio gave many years ago. When she was running for state legislature and he said Shauna Bullock, she's a game changer. Shauna Bullock is my candidate for secretary of state. Bullock for dot com is her website. Shauna, it's the day before the election. It's been a long and uh, an exhausting um, uh, campaign. But for a great cause, it's got to be a great feeling that you have right now. Welcome back to the show.
2: Well, thanks, uh, Seth, so much for having me back on. Uh, As you may know, I have put over 40,000 miles in my car to travel this beautiful state to to meet with potential primary voters. Aside from the high gas prices, it's been a pleasure to meet tens of thousands of registered voters across our beautiful state.
1: It's so fun. It really is uh, when you get into the campaign mode seriously and you get to talk about the issue seriously and meet and listen to the people one-on-one. You have set out a, a, a list of priorities Uh, for your campaign, which, by the way, has been a series of priorities you've become known for as a state legislator, starting with securing our elections, depoliticizing the office. My goodness, it hasn't been politicized. Shauna, tell the the uh, voting audience again, the listening audience again, what they can expect from Secretary of State Shauna Bullock.
2: Well, I am running because I want to make sure that we're restoring election integrity. As you guys may know from past conversations, Uh, The Democrats had leveled a ballot access lawsuit against me in 2020 after I won my lawsuit. I did file a public record request with the secretary of state's office, just on my first and last name. And in the FOIA records, I can actually see email exchanges with the recent appointee from Joe Biden, Rupali Desai, working with a former secretary of Hobbs staffer to throw me off the ballot. So I decided to actually get into this race based on my own personal experience. I want to make sure moving forward we have honest and fair elections. And, of course, I really want to depoliticize this office.
1: It certainly has been politicized. The current occupant uh, is someone who is uh, planning to run for governor. She has called uh, members of the opposing party fascists and white supremacists. Uh, Shauna, you you are as conservative a person I know. I have never heard you talk. We don't have to talk about our opponents that way, and that's certainly not the rule once you go from campaign mode to uh, governing mode, is it?
2: True. So I, I promise when I'm elected to be your secretary of state, I will not put my personal politics into the office like the current office holder has. I want to make sure that actually all election officers are run like Switzerland. In my opinion, it shouldn't matter if you have a R, D or an I behind your name. You should be treated in the same exact manner regardless of your political affiliation, and we should be able to work together to restore election integrity and make sure our, our elections are honest again. Don't you agree? <laughs> it,
1: it, it, it's the easiest concept in the world, and that office has never been so politicized that I can think of uh, as it has been uh, since uh, the current occupant's uh, tenure. I've just never seen that kind of language coming out of this office, which is effectively – People should know our lieutenant governor should, uh, God forbid, something happen to the governor or something good where the governor must leave. This secretary of state is the person who takes the governor's position, isn't it?
2: Correct. Arizona secretary of state is the de facto lieutenant governor. As you may know, I used to work for a lieutenant governor named Rick Perry in Texas back in the late 90s. Um, I just want to make sure that when we move forward, you have someone who's strong. So in the event that something, God forbid, happens to our governor, Uh, The secretary of state will be in a good position to ascend to that role. As I've told people along the campaign trail, you know, I have immersed myself in public policy for the last several decades. I know different issue areas. I won't be on someone's puppet string. So if, God forbid, I did have to ascend into that role, uh, you would be able to trust me through and through.
1: Yeah, that's 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 the thing that's been a distinguishing characteristic of your political tenure thus far, Shauna. Is your yes is always yes, and your no is always no. People know exactly where you're st- you stand, and if if they're on the other side of you, if they don't like it, at least they appreciate the fact that they know that what they're getting is the real deal. You are the real deal, Shauna, and I yeah. just am so excited about this candidacy.
2: Well, I also have a very good working relationship with my fellow legislators. I can tell you in the four years I've been at the Capitol, it's been very sad to see that the governor has not come down one time to talk to us. So I actually think that, you know, my fellow legislators, if I had become governor for some reason, it would be very important for us to build those relationships immediately, and I already have some of them going into it. And I also want your uh, listeners to understand that when you do have me as Secretary of State, I will be the only one standing between the federal government if they somehow decide to push H.R. 1 and somehow someone thinks it's constitutional
1: well that's a great point and 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 that's one of the one of the things that we also love about you not only that you can take your word but the the strong backbone you've shown on a lot of these things you've gone up against the feds before, and yeah uh this is a big push because there is an attempt to power grab uh from the feds our elections uh a constitutionally say a word about it, the kinds of threats of h r one they're not going to go away anytime soon, i don't think.
2: No, they're not going to go away anytime soon. As you may know, there's um, an initiative that the Democrats are putting onto the ballot. Uh, I don't think – I'm not sure if they'll be successful. I'm not going to talk too much about their their court battle right now. Uh, it's basically H.R. 1, same-day voter registration, sending ballots to people. Uh, some of the things that they tried getting away with, you know, under the guise of COVID. And in my opinion, you know, if you look at that fair and free elections, which is it's obviously Corrupt Politicians Act, They're also trying to figure out ways to raise our taxes. So I have served as chair of uh, committee on ways and means for the last two years, and I made sure I killed any tax increase bill that came through, and I also single-handedly killed the gas tax increase bill. So we have a lot of stuff that we're going to be fighting back on. One good thing that we will have on the November ballot, besides those awesome school board candidate races on our side, uh, we will also be making sure – that we get legal ID passed on all ballots. Perfect. So moving forward, we treat both the, the mail-in ballots as well as the in-person
1: voting the same. Perfectly stated, yeah. Uh, the the women who have risen up, particularly running for Scottsdale. I mean, I was going to ask you, Shauna. Um, you know, in your legislative career and in your efforts uh, as a public servant citizen, what are some of the things you're most proud of? It has to be what you've done in education, right? Education has got to be one of your most proud Uh, calling cards i would think
2: absolutely so i would have to say my favorite bill that i got to vote on in my four years at the legislature was the expansion of the empowerment scholarship account Mm -hmm. Uh, as you may know my dear beloved wrote the bill back in 2011 and it was my honor to actually vote in favor of the universal expansion at the end of june so every single kid in the state of arizona i hope will have the chance regardless of their zip code to actually go to the school of their choice I do worry that Democrats pull a fast move, file an injunction on the program so they can't even get kids in in September. Um, And as you know, they're out there collecting signatures to refer this to the ballot again.
1: Yeah, I I know. But, you know, the thing is, it's 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 almost it's it's almost as if it's this is an issue that we have won and they're arguing about things that. They could have argued about 10 years ago. I I think uh, education shift has been so strong, not only in this state and in this country, that you will, Shauna, have the luxury of being up against a weakened institution, the weakened institution being the NEA at this point. I mean, they've long shown now and given up on the fact that they're the advocates for our kids. They're the advocates for the people who pay their dues.
2: Absolutely. Uh, We're seeing even L.A. bowing down to the teacher unions and potentially lifting the mask mandate that they were going to put back on again. So I think the tide has turned. Uh, COVID obviously had a silver lining with people actually seeing what their kids learn or not learning in school uh, on Zoom and even meeting some of these awesome school board candidates who are even grandparents who are just really ticked off about what's happening in our school
1: system. Exactly right. And one last thing I did want to circle back to before I let you go, because a lot of people may not realize this about the Secretary of State's office either, but when a business from out of state comes to town, it's our Secretary of State's office that really is their first encounter, right? The Secretary of State's office is what, What? how would you say, it certifies and welcomes in businesses that start an area. Arizona, yeah.
2: Yes, um, I can tell you that last year we advocated for something called Business One Stop. Mm-hmm. The legislature appropriated seven point seven million dollars for this program. It's to make uh, business more. It's, ma- it's to make sure that it's more efficient to do business here in Arizona. So instead of going to four or five different websites, they go to businessonestop.az.gov, and at that point, hopefully. Um, They understand that they are welcome into Arizona as opposed to California and some of the other more liberal-leaning states.
1: Well, You say on your website the future of our state depends on your streamlining that office for helping grow our state through small and other businesses developing here. I would say the future of our state depends on electing you to the office of Secretary of State Shauna Bullock. Thanks for spending the last day of your campaign a little of your time with this audience. We love you very much.
2: Oh, thank you, Seth. You're
1: awesome. God bless you. Godspeed, and we'll talk to you after the election. Shauna Bullock, BullockforArizona.com for if you want to learn more. I'm Seth Liebsen and we will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebsen Show. I am Seth Liebsen. I was just contemplating it's uh it's it's gonna be quite something uh starting uh in January. I think I I'm gonna be governed mostly by uh, great and talented women. My governor will be, my secretary of state, I'm hoping will be, and my representative in the state house in LD4, I'm hoping will be. She is Vera Gibran. She has been tearing it up. And uh, not the first time on this show, but I uh, wanted to get her on one more day before the election. You can uh, check her out uh, at her website, VoteVera.com, dot acom She's running as part of the LD4 Strong Team with Nancy Bartow and Maria Sims, endorsed by me and Andy Biggs. Vera, welcome back to the show. How's it going out there? It's
3: good, been Super fun, and it's great to be in contact with you again, Seth. It's such a pleasure always.
1: Well, it's great to have you. You know, the first time I heard you speak, I was just blown away. You know, this is a this is not a a, a race. That should have uh, the kind of attention on it that it does, except for the fact that you are so highly qualified and will be such an amazingly powerful voice for the conservative movement in our state house. Vera, tell the audience a little bit about yourself again last day before the election and why you decided to run for state legislature and what kind of voice you will be in the state legislature.
3: Well, firstly, thank you, Seth. I am just always so humbled by uh, your confidence in me and your trust in me. I I take that very seriously, and I'm 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 flattered and, and humbled by it. Thank you so much for your confidence in me, my friend.
1: Of course, it's easy. <laughs> uh,
3: a little bit about me, uh, Vera Gibran, and I am an immigrant uh, due to the fact that. I lost my beautiful little country of Lebanon due to an infiltration that happened uh, due to weak borders and an unlawful entry. And I lost that home. I lost that beloved home. And now I'm in the fight to save this one because I just can't have it happen to me again. And I certainly don't want it to happen to my children. It was a very disturbing time during COVID when I was, having trouble sleeping at the realization that my, my natural-born American citizen children were not going to inherit the same liberties and freedoms that I as a guest was offered when I came to this beautiful country as an immigrant. So during that time, I was really struggling and felt really um, voiceless. I felt helpless, and <laughs> you've gotten to know me, Seth. That kind of feeling does not fit well with me.
4: Nope.
3: And so taking into consideration my background and my success in doing a lot of international diplomacy work and having acquired kind of a special set of skills, I thought it's totally up to me to, set up, to step up and to offer my services to my faith and my country, and mostly out of gratitude for for the gifts it granted me and and my family, and the opportunities and prosperity and the beautiful life it uh, gave us an opportunity to experience. So I've gotten into the race to see what I could do.
1: Well, there. Are, thank you for that. It was a um, a calling card of Ronald Reagan's. Uh, said it in various different uh, places and iterations. First time in Phoenix. That in world history, those who have known freedom and then lost it have never known it again. Now we can probably find some examples, but you look at your country of birth, and 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 it's it's a really good template of what happens once foreign ideologies, particularly backed by uh, fascist or Islamo-fascist notions, come and take over. Can come in the guise of communism. You look at what's happening across this state hands of the left, you look at what they're trying to do in our schools, this is exactly where Ronald Reagan would want someone like you fighting, because you can spend the rest of your life trying to save a place that's been immiserated by tyranny, or you can try and keep the freedom that we have. The second fight is a lot better and a lot easier, don't you think?
3: So, you know, I have a lot to say about that. Um, My my ancestor, Khalil Gibran, wrote, there are two things once lost, you can never retrieve, and that is innocence and time. And I humbly offer a third, and that is freedom. Once that is lost, it will never be regained. And those notions, because as you know, Seth, I have worked on six continents and 22 countries, and I have touched those other economies and those other places, I've seen it firsthand. I know that this is it. Once we lose that, we will never, ever be able to regain it. It will be, in fact, lost forever. And, you know, I've I've been in this race since um, January. I'm new to politicking. This is not my arena. It's all new terrain. I've had to learn an entirely new craft, and I've done it at high speed, and I have really... Thrown everything I've got at it, and I have been questioned. You know, <laughs> you're working 18 hours a day, 20 hours a day. I'm not always following the rules mm-hmm. of the consultants and their advice mm-hmm. because I I find myself constantly telling them, look, <laughs> I I don't I don't want to be correct. I don't want to play middle of the line in preparation for what's coming in the general. You don't seem to understand. I have nothing to lose because I have everything to lose. And I played the last seven months with that in mind. I, I have too much at stake. My family has too much at stake. And this terribly noble, noble country is at stake. And I just, I can't sit around and kind of be, you know, uh, uh walking around on eggshells around it. I'm not going to do it. It's not how I
1: roll. I, I love that. I love that expression. Nothing to lose because everything to lose. That's 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 important to keep in mind. I should say your family is well known in our community for having built a wonderful business, a, 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 a wonderful small business, U.S. Egg Restaurants. You guys have done tremendously well by and for our community, wanting to keep it going, and now having you enter the political realm To save us from the fate that you have seen, uh, that you have seen initiatives uh, begin to take us down, uh, down the drain, down the tube. And yeah, it is still a fragile thing, this freedom. That was the predicate to what Ronald Reagan warned about. Freedom is fragile.
3: It certainly is. And, you know, by the grace of God, I, I have to give credit by the grace of God. Um, we have been uh, uh, exceptionally prosperous. We do have six U.S. locations throughout the valley, and we have employed thousands and thousands of people over the years. We've taken the risk, and we've done well by our community. So I, I'm proud that after our, after this great country gave us the opportunity, we were able to give
1: Well, you've, you've done tremendous in what you've given to the community and the people you've hired. It's now up to us to hire you in return. Vote Vera Gibran. VoteVera.com. Go get them. Looking forward to the results. Looking forward to talking to you later in the week. Vera Gibran, folks. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson show in our uh, ongoing series of features of Arizona's uh, modern day Margaret Thatcher's. It's a delight to bring to the show the day before the election, my candidate for superintendent of public instruction, Sherry Sapir. Sherry, welcome back to the show. I love I love what you've put atop your Twitter feed and on your emblems and logos. This is a children's rescue mission. Welcome back. How's it feeling going into the election, Sherry?
4: Feeling great today. Feeling really good.
1: You have you tell tell the audience, let's take it back to the very beginning. I know for you it sounds forever, but a lot of people have just kind of tuned in at the last uh, last couple of weeks to politics. Tell us what motivated you to run for superintendent of public instruction.
4: Well, sure. The shutdowns. You know, I have three young children under the under the age of 10, and we fought with the district. They refused to open, and I had to pull them out, put them in a private school because they deserve education, whether the teachers' union thinks so or not. And uh, we got all, you know, all of us mama bears got into the into the fight. And I just thought to myself, I can't be a keyboard warrior. It doesn't fit my personality. I'm I'm an action taker and I want to change you know sometimes when you want something done well you need to do it yourself and that's just where we're at we gave these politicians the option to make things better we've driven they've driven education to the ground so that's kind of got me into the fight and it's been now almost 17 months that I've been on the campaign trail you know I, I came from nowhere so I had to build that name recognition and and go travel around the state. It's a huge state, but it's one of the most amazing journeys of my life, and whatever the outcome is tomorrow, which I have a great feeling about me winning, but whatever the outcome is, I will not uh, take back this experience of being with Arizona and talking to them, listening to them, really finding what's on their heart. It's been, it's, it's been fantastic
1: for me. And really the thing I've picked up from you most is fighting for them, the fighting for them. When I first – I've been in the education business for a while, and uh, when someone first told me about your candidacy, I did not know you. I did not know who you were, and I got to meet you, got to uh, do a little bit of research on what it is you stood for, and I realized, yes, this is exactly who we need, and this is exactly who will be able to take out the current superintendent of public instruction – who I think has a view of public instruction, which is very different from yours, Sherry, if I may. I think her view of public instruction, the current occupant of the uh, superintendent's office, her view of public instruction is to serve the teachers' unions and only the teachers' unions. You have a different view of this, don't you?
4: Yes, yeah, so what's, and what's beautiful about Kathy Hoffman, the current superintendent, is that she's so against parents' choice and school choice yet she's gone to a private school. (laughs) So it begs the question, if your parents were able to afford it, why are you not allowing other children whose parents cannot afford it to have the means to get the best education they can get? And this has always been the argument with the other side, with the left, and it's a terrible argument for them to even get into because when you listen to it, you know, if you're a little bit logical and rational, you understand, Wow, they really don't want these children to have an opportunity. That's been the fight and that's always going to be the fight. And the failure under her administration is just mind boggling. I mean, our children are at between 10 to 30 percent passing in most schools in Arizona on the test scores. It's just, uh, it's outrageous, really. They they can tell us that they are doing something right.
1: No, not when you look at the kind of inputs. And that's what's going to need a big big part of your attention, of course, will be exposing where the bloat is, where the bureaucracy is, and helping shine a light on the fact that it's now time to start measuring the outputs as much as the inputs. Because it doesn't matter how many billions we put into the system if we're still getting crud on the other side. Which really brings me to the second thing I wanted to raise with you, if I could, Sherry, I'm going to take a quick commercial break. Maybe we can pick up with it on on the other side, which is, yes, what COVID instructed us was how those of us who had 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 not been paying as close attention as we should have been is what was going on with school closings. But it also exposed to us the things that were going on within those schools and in the pedagogy. And you've done something very helpful on your website. You did a great thing on your website. It's shirysapir.com, S-H-I-R-Y, S-A-P-I-R.com. You go to the tab at the top, Exposing indoctrination. For all the people that say there's no such thing as critical race theory, we're not teaching anti-police, we're not teaching sexual education to five- and six-year-olds, well, (laughs) there's nothing like what you did on your website. You showed them the books. You've linked to the books, and you've done a great service. Let's pick up on that when we come back, because what is needed is a children's rescue mission, and you're the person to lead it. I'm Seth. Sheeshiri. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. My guest is Shiri Sapir. Her website is Sapir.com. She spells her first name S-H-I-R-Y and her last name S-A-P-I-R. She is a candidate. She is my candidate for superintendent of public instruction. Right before the break, Sherry, I was mentioning at your website, you do a lot of helpful things. It's as if you've already gotten the job. You've already hit the ground running. You have a tab on the Parents' Bill of Rights, which we can talk about. You have a tab on the Arizona School Board candidates, the importance of that role and the people you're working with to get into our school boards. But also this tab, my favorite, exposing indoctrination, because anyone who says, oh, this CRT, critical race theory stuff, the sexualization of children stuff – it's one big myth. Well, you you bring the goods, you bring the evidence, you bring the receipts. It ain't a myth, is it, Sherry?
4: No, I wish it was. It's uh, a disaster. And after the primary, we're going to actually have another tab that's exposing um, indoctrination in Arizona schools, and we're going to give you the exact class, the exact teacher, the exact assignment, copies of it, the, the, the books. We're going to show people that what we're talking about is not – You know, it's not out of thin air, and people should know it by now because it's a nationwide outrage that we see with parents. But even if they don't believe us, we're going to show them the amount of information that's coming in front of our children that has to do with sexualization, with grooming, with LGBTQ and gender ideology is mind-boggling. It's criminal. It has no room in our classrooms at all. And we're going to show all of this, and that's the power of the superintendent, even if there's something that is not within my peer view, even if it's something that I cannot do, which we can do a lot of things, we're going to be able to shed the light on this darkness that is taking over the souls and the hearts of our children and their minds of our children. And we have to protect them from that. And for them, for all these people to tell us, you should not be involved as parents, this is not, not, none of your business. Really? These are my children. Who's going to protect them if not myself?
1: Yeah. Who's I- going
4: to show? Go
1: ahead. No, I was just going to say this argument, this this argument, I, I started hearing it at the beginning of the year. First, um, you heard it a little bit in Virginia. And then I heard the president of the United States saying that these kids are yeah. your kids when they're in the classroom. They're not the parents' kids when they're in the classroom. And then I started reading articles about what teachers and administrators were hiding from the parents about their kids And I realized, holy cow, we have moved into a whole new realm of something very close to Soviet or Maoist understandings of the state and the role of education, really something very darkly Marxist where we are expected. I am. You are people with children, people without children, to pay into a public school system, but then we get no say on the curriculum of the sc- uh, uh, about what these students are going to be taught when they do enter the productive parts of society. There's something very, very authoritarian about that, Shiri. Absolutely. And
4: Hitler said, he who owns the youth owns the future. Mm-hmm. This is what we're seeing unfold in the United States of America in 2022. They want to own our youth, and they're doing a fantastic job at it, drilling socialism, drilling Marxism, drilling gender identity and social justice issues into our children's brains, climate change. I mean, all of these things. And that's how they're going to be controlling the future, and we reject that as parents. And the worst part about it? Our children are being robbed of their innocence of their childhood. Just think about this. When you're a young child, regardless of your situation at home, you just want to be. You just want to play. You just want to be with your friends. You just want to think about the most, you know, ridiculous things and be as as light-hearted as possible. And they're putting all these heavy social justice issues on their hearts and and the liability and the guilt and the victimization. Our children are not victims they're victors and that is the movement that we have right now we're going to prove that our children can succeed that they ought to succeed that we must give them all the tools that we have in our disposal as a society succeed. and that's what this
1: movement is about it is what this movement is about and it's also a movement to not just get rid of the insanity with these alien racial doctrines and alien sexualization anti-family doctrines but also to stop as I put it making aliens of our own citizens here and that is to say to teach them American history again people say we are against these new-fangled concepts of education because because we're trying to hide our history quite the opposite we want our whole history taught what we're against is the eradication of the american story and when kids graduate they have a right to know the whole story of their country so they can do something about it and be less subject to propaganda i know that your commitment is in that realm as well shiri
4: Yes, we're going to open the 1776 office in the Department of Education. So we're going to make sure that we bring training to the teachers, to the administrators, to the schools who are open for that. Um, that has to do with constitutional studies, with citizenship. We're going to make sure that we have civics as standards in Arizona. Right now, that's not the case, and I'm going to bring that to, uh, to the agenda of the State Board of Education, where I'm going to be one of the members sitting on that board. We have to bring civics. And, you know, right now, our children may... Uh, just take their high school test, which is citizenship test, which is 100 questions or whatever it is. Very simple. We need to, it's not indoctrinating our children. To teach a child about their country and love of country is, is, is expected of every country. I mean, I'm from Israel. I know other countries always teach about the history. And all countries have a dark side. All countries have, you know, stains in the history of bad things that happened, bad regimes that were taking place. Uh, their policies. But what is the bottom line? It's the growth. It's it's, it's America always wanting to strive to be the best. It's America always being on the right side of justice and fighting all these wars for other countries. And never did anyone stop in the army, in in the military, in the U.S. and said, well, we're not going to go into this fight because these people are Arabs or or they're this religion or they're this color. Never. So why? Why claiming? hatred uh, towards our own country. It's unacceptable and we have to teach our children to love this country. That's not indoctrinating. Uh, That's just, you know what, it's just going to make them more wholesome because you have to be part of something. You have to be part of a family. You have to be part of a community. You have to be part of a country. When you're alienated against your own country, it's very lonesome. And that's what they're doing to our children. They just isolate them from their families, from their friends, from their country. And our children are unhappy. Let me tell you, we have one of the most unhappy generations I had seen in my lifetime, and and it's, it's, it's tragic.
1: Well, I love the idea, Sherry, that you're going to open up an office of 1776. I'd like to help volunteer with you doing so. But bless mm-hmm. you, and speed, Sherry Sapir, Children's Rescue Mission candidate for superintendent of public instruction. Go get them, Sherry. Thank you, sir. Thank you for spending some of your afternoon with us. Portions of this show brought to you by my friends at Y-Refi. They are my friends. They are offering up a unique investment opportunity for anyone interested. They're offering up a fixed no-load interest rate up to 10.25% return for investors, all in a secure and collateralized portfolio. Y-Refi is a due diligence approved firm, as I said, run by really good people where the investors do really well by doing good for others, and you can too. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's the word invest, the letter dot R-E-F-Y.com, or give them a call at eight five five three one six three zero eight seven. 3087 You think about uh, that trajectory of uh, that lineup of uh, great candidates we just spoke to, these women, who all of them have – interest in running for different offices, all of them have the same the same impetus, the same catalyst, and the same interest in running for office, don't they? And it's about what we're doing to our kids, what we're doing to our children, what kind of state and what kind of country we are going to offer them, but just as importantly, what kind of state and what kind of country we are going to teach them about. Uh, it is no mystery to those of us who have spent years in the weeds of education, in the trenches of education to grasp the notion C.S. Lewis brought us a long time ago. Be be very careful. Be very careful with what you teach your children because to distort their history is to leave them open and subject to propaganda. That's C.S. Lewis. We are watching that take place by the day. And if you want to know how you sometimes have that feeling, you're waking up in a country you no longer recognize, think about what 30... 40 and 50 years of an education system dedicated to doing just that has rot. because the country we are looking at is not governed by 12 year olds. It is not governed by 15 year olds. It is governed rather by people who graduate high school, not knowing a thing about the United States of America. 50% for years now, 50% of our high school seniors graduate with an F in American history If you have 50 percent of your 18 year olds, 17 and 18 year olds ignorant about their own country, you can begin to understand why they are subject to and now why we are subject to so much propaganda. We thought that what we were taught in the school, what was being taught in the schools with regard to this country wouldn't ultimately matter because they'd enter the real world. Well, the lab leak has occurred and what they have been taught in their schools is now part of and entered the real world. It's not too late to turn it back. This is an election where we are going to turn it back. And as C.S. Lewis also said, be the real progressives. Do you know what the real progressives were to C.S. Lewis? The person, the first person who realizes he's on the wrong path and turns around in a U-turn fastest. That's the real progressive. Let's go into tomorrow being the real progressives for our state, for our country, and for our future. Until tomorrow, God bless you all. I'm Seth Liebson, and class is dismissed.